0: This is, this, is, this, is, this is Refining and Reforming
1: Soli Deo Gloria Tell me who's that right John the Revelator Who's that right John the Revelator Who's that right John the Revelator Wrote the book of The Seven Seals No
2: all right, thanks for tuning in today, guys. You're listening to the Refining and Reforming Podcast. My name's Aaron Asuna. I'm going to be your host with me. Uh, joining me back in virtual studio is Nick Hendricks.
0: Yes, what's going on?
2: Uh, so this time, Nick prompted me um, for this episode. I drove home extremely fast on the highway, where there's never any cops down Louisville. So it's really nice. You can actually, um, should I say that on the podcast that I speed, Nick? Is that okay? Uh, I, don't, uh, I am a very calculated driver. How about that? A calculated driver. So, got home quick. We're banging this one out. Very important. Um, but before we get into the topic today, guys, don't forget, you can get us at refiningandreforming at gmail.com for all your questions, concerns, and criticisms. You can hop on over to Facebook and Twitter via our website, www.refiningandreforming.com. You can find those links. Click on the iTunes icon. Go down onto iTunes land, subscribe, listen to past episodes, write, and leave us a five-star review, and we will send you an entire commentary series in maybe 20 or 30 years. Just might be a while, <laughs> but that's a guarantee. That's an no, I no We'll send
0: you a list of commentary series that you <laughs> should buy.
2: Yeah, there you go. Ooh, that sounds good. Just You need to say the, we'll send you the list, really quiet, of commentary sets. That way, people are tricked. Anyway- go. Send us, uh, or give us that five-star review. Help us out, guys. Um, And then share us with your friends, your family. Share us with your lost neighbors. Share us with your uh, friends who are Christians who don't um, study theology and talk about it. But Nick, maybe you want to introduce topic today since um, you felt prompted to do this, and we're going to do a response to a video. Why don't you talk about it?
0: Yeah, well, I didn't really prompt this. I actually heard about it uh, on a couple of different programs, but uh, basically what we're going to do is listen to uh, William Lane Craig get asked about Catholicism. Um, and and so I heard a couple of people already talk about this, and we generally don't like to talk about things on this show that we know other people have already covered. Um, but I thought a couple of reasons might be necessary for us to do it. Number one... I think there are people that listen to our show that don't listen to other ones. Uh, that's just the nature of kind of how we got started. Um, but also, I think there's there's important things that need to be said about some of uh, Craig's comments that weren't necessarily addressed in, in other programs. And it's not that, that um, uh, those other people uh, purposely didn't address them or miss them or whatever. I think they had other important points that they thought they wanted to address. So there's things in this that, uh, I think if you do listen to other podcasts, you'll hear repetitive things. Um, that's just the nature of, uh, when you do something like this, you're, you're going to hear certain things that you already heard before. So if you already listened to somebody address this topic, you can tune out right now. But if you didn't, uh, this is going to be important because, uh, like I said, we're going to talk, about We're going to cover what William Lane Craig does when he's asked about Catholicism, when it comes to the doctrines of Christianity. What is uh, the official teaching of the Catholic Church? What is necessary for salvation? Uh, all of those things. What um, what doctrines did uh, the apostles and, and does the Bible say are definitional of Christianity? And uh, we'll get into discussion a little bit about... Uh, this mere Christianity attitude that I think uh, William Lane Craig has and a lot of Christians today have too uh, and this is just important that uh, maybe you can show it to some friends of yours that may be Catholic or something or, or maybe if you don't actually uh, haven't actually looked at these issues for yourself it's going to be vitally important that you understand the differences between uh, Christianity and and specifically the Roman Catholic Church, because, uh, you know, we talked about uh, before is when I first, you know, uh, started teaching a high school Bible study, this was before I ever came to the church I'm at now. I remember going in there and I remember asking these kids super basic questions about Christianity. And I had one kid who was so mad because his friend was calling him a Protestant, and he 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 didn't want to be called the Protestant. He didn't like that, and uh, I mean, just to me, to have that idea where you don't even know what the Reformation was about, or even what a protest like what being a Protestant means—that uh, uh, associating yourself with the Catholic Church, believing in their doctrine. Uh, according to scripture, anathematizes you. So not understanding those basic things can be very dangerous for us. And I think we'll see in this video, Dr. Craig continuously contradicts himself. I will point those things out to you. He'll say one thing and then say a completely different thing three or four minutes later. Again, as I said before, for whatever reason, he does not find that certain aspects of Christianity that the apostles found to be definitional, he does not think are definitional. So, I mean, that's, that's pretty much why I wanted to do this.
2: Yeah. And I think it draws down to a, a basic question that you can ask people who listen to the podcast who don't necessarily engage in this kind of debate before is, what defines a Christian? What is, what is first and foremost fundamentally a Christian? Um, and how are we able to make those distinctions? Which leads us to asking this in light of William Lane Craig is, uh, are Catholics Christian? Do they fall into what we would call biblical gospel-centered Christianity that uh, we would say, if you fall into, you would fall into um the, the the true gospel, the true church, and that you would be a member of that. So um, I'm going to go, we're going to start this video. We'll uh, stop and play at a couple different points um, and discuss it. But um, just take a listen to this and uh, compare it to yourselves and see what is said in the video with what we say and then go back to the scriptures and see if what we're saying and what William Lane Craig is saying is true and then and then compare it. So here we go, Mr. Craig.
1: Here's a topic that you don't want to bring up at the dinner table, Catholicism and Protestantism. I'm
0: Protestant. And I'm Catholic. And I'm Catholic too. I'll become a Catholic when they start believing in the Bible.
1: Claiming to be the Bride of Christ, the Roman Catholic Church has been in bed with godless
3: rulers down through history.
2: The first myth is that we venerate the Virgin Mary over God the Father.
1: Welcome to Reasonable Faith, conversations with William Lane Craig. I'm Kevin Harris, and we hope you'll find the topics we discuss enriching and enlightening concerning the big questions of life. Dr. William Lane Craig is a noted philosopher and theologian known for his work on the existence of God, the philosophy of time and the resurrection of Jesus. And we invite you to discover the wealth of resources at reasonablefaith.org. There you'll find Dr. Craig's famous debates with leading atheists, articles, books, podcasts, audio from Dr. Craig's Defenders class, and a question and answer section featuring amazing questions people send us and answers from Dr. Craig. That's reasonablefaith.org, reasonablefaith.org
2: and just to pause that really quick i think uh and just hearing what's listed off about craig it's like man that's a rap sheet right there <laughs> like that's that's way more than i'll probably ever have in my life but most people hear a rap sheet like that of what someone studied what degrees they have what they've done in the apologetic and theological world and they go oh well of course whatever this guy says is right and hopefully what we can bring to the table is to say, that's not good biblical discernment. Um, that's turning people who are in authority or or who are in high positions or who are esteemed within the Christian uh, life or the Christian community uh, that they are somehow untouchable or that we can't question anything they say. So it's important to remember that just because William Lane Craig says these things in this podcast doesn't necessarily mean they're true. And just because he's that smart, and I do think uh, Dr. Craig is a very smart man, much smarter than I am, it doesn't mean that we can't discern and engage in any kind of critical thinking of what he's going to say. So just wanted to throw that out there because I I haven't heard a rap sheet like that in in a while. So back to the video. Dr.
1: Craig, sometimes tensions can uh, arise between theologies, and uh, I see tension in this quite often. I tend to call it Catholic bashing from evangelicals from time to time who just really regard Catholics as so thoroughly deceived that they're almost in a uh, a hopeless state that I've got other believers who say, no, we only disagree about 10%. We agree on a lot of the essentials and things like that. Why don't you take a stab at this, and sorry to put you in such a hot seat, and guide us through the sometimes troubled waters of a relationship between Protestants and Catholics.
3: Well, Kevin, I am a Protestant, uh, and therefore, I obviously have some disagreements with Catholic doctrine. But having said that, I'm, I'm also not a Presbyterian. Uh, I'm not an Episcopalian. I, uh, so I have disagreements with those denominations as well.
0: Yeah, that. So here's the initial first uh, presupposition, and the and the first big problem is exactly what you said in the beginning of is is the Catholic the Roman Catholic faith Christian? Can it be placed on the same level of Christianity as uh, as Presbyterians as Uh, any other denomination. And that's going to be uh, Dr. Craig's presupposition going into this and allowing that to define how he sees the rest of the doctrine. Instead of the doctrines of uh, the the Catholic Church being something that actually definitionally changes the message— Everything he's going to talk about is going to be from the point of view that these are just peripheral matters. These are just the audi offer. These things are are not uh, the 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 first and foremost of importance when it comes to Christianity. Uh, these are not definitional doctrines. These are things that we can debate about, we can talk about, we can disagree on. But uh, at the end of the day, we're all still under the banner of Christianity. And to make to make a statement like, well, you know there's things that I disagree with with Catholics, uh, but I disagree with things with with Presbyterians too. So <laughs> there's really not much difference there. Mm-hmm. And to realize, um, d- the ridiculous of that in the sense of how influenced the Presbyterian branch of Christianity, the denomination was by John Calvin. And John Calvin's dissent from and, and repudiation of the Roman Catholic Church to even put those two things in the same category is absurd. I cannot even believe I When I first listened to this, I couldn't even believe that that, that, that came out of his mouth. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing if Craig had any
2: Presbyterian friends, he just lost all of them in, in a five, in a five second thing. Yeah. I I know this podcast is a little old. It's not relatively actually recent, but, uh, I'm pretty sure that a lot of people don't listen to reasonable faith. And so any, any, uh, uh, Presbyterian friends that he did have were probably like, ouch man, really, ouch that, that hurt (laughs) getting placed alongside, uh, uh, Catholicism. moving on. So the fact that I
3: have some disagreements with Catholics and therefore could not, I think, in all good conscience, be a Catholic myself, isn't to say that I regard Catholics as somehow sub-Christian or or, uh, un-Christian any more than I think Presbyterians and Episcopalians are.
0: Yeah, so... Again, the presupposition is that they're not sub-Christian, which would automatically make them fully Christian. If they're not sub-Christian or if they're not less than Christian, then they are fully Christian. They're just as Christian, uh, just as uh in the same boat as Baptists, uh, Presbyterians, uh Bible-believing Episcopalians, any of those things, but but they're not. That's the that's the that's what we're going to get into. That's the point. Is that these things we would say the differences between the Catholic Church and and the Christian Church are definitional. They're they're defining of the Christian faith. They're not just peripheral issues uh, which keep you under the same same banner. It's not just oh, I say the name Jesus Christ. That doesn't make you Christian. So,
2: yeah. Um, and and so I mean I think you get right from the beginning, Craig's presupposition is, uh, for him you know uh, Roman Catholicism automatically falls under Orthodoxy. Now he's obviously going to go into um, a little a little bit of, about that, but I think he misses the boat entirely uh, in actually discussing uh, that aspect of. Um, why those separations matter to, I think, a much greater the extent than he's going to talk about. Well, what's funny is what you'll hear him talk about a, a little bit uh, later in this clip is he actually addresses probably one of the heart, you know, probably the center of the issue and yet kind of misses it completely, even though he he understands at least what was at the, the heart of the Reformation. And uh, that's, you know, the gospel and justification by faith alone and by grace alone. So it's, it's just kind of funny, but I mean, he lays his cards out right out um, at the get-go that uh, Catholicism is in line with uh, the Orthodox faith from um, the apostles onward.
3: So we could talk, if you wanted to, about some of the areas where I myself cannot in good conscience affirm Catholic doctrine, but on the other hand, I do want to affirm that my fundamental goal with reasonable faith is to defend what CS Lewis called mere Christianity which is the christianity that is common to all of the great branches of Christendom whether they be catholic, protestant or orthodox
0: or coptic so uh, here it is here's the idea of of this mere christianity and and like i said in the beginning i think this is what a lot of Christians today actually believe, uh, because when it comes down to uh, debating about different issues or or separating from other people on different issues, uh, most people don't like it. I think it's also the the. Uh, just just the way the culture is, that disagreeing with somebody means you hate them and you want to murder them or something. Uh, but when it comes to this idea of mere Christianity, this is where the problem is, because when you start talking about uh, different points that are definitional of the Christian faith, it never gets any deeper than, oh, uh, you believe in Jesus, you believe in God, you believe uh, that he died for sins. But there's no, well, who is God? Is God triune? Uh, did God create the world in six days? Did he, uh, is God sovereign? Um, is Jesus, uh, the son of God? None of those things. And I think this comes out when you see, uh, I don't know if anybody ever listened to, uh, Dr. Craig's debates. I used to listen to them a long time ago, but I think one of the problems is when you would listen to his debates, he's not even arguing for the Christian God. Most of the time, he's just arguing for theism.
2: Yeah, I was uh, say
0: bare uh, theism. Yeah, and and I'm sorry, but getting somebody to believe theism does nothing and get except punch them a one way ticket to hell by saying I believe in a higher being. That doesn't do anything. So this is the problem with this mere Christianity attitude, and uh, it it dumbs down the faith so much, and it takes away so much from from what the Bible actually teaches that. I don't even know if you could call mere Christianity Christianity, because I mean, sometimes it is so small and such a such a tiny fraction of what actually Christians actually believe that sometimes it doesn't even really define some things that are necessary to define.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think with the problem of using that term today, mere Christianity, and then thinking about it within our you know, cultural and uh, our modern context here, at least in Western um, in Western thought, Western civilization, is I, I don't think that term necessarily means all that it did for somebody like C.S. Lewis. So it's funny, I have a class coming up where I actually have to read mere Christianity, um, and maybe I'll know more about it when I read it, but I would like to think that Even somebody like C.S. Lewis, when defining mere Christianity, um, was not trying to say that we should just come down to the exact basics and nothing else matters, um, and that he would probably have very distinct points as to what those basics are. So, it's not even that we're denying that there's a mere Christianity, if you even want to call that, I don't really like the term, Uh, you could call what just... What does the Bible primarily focus on? Um, And what does it say regarding what somebody must believe in order to be saved? And if they are saved, how should they respond to biblical revelation? And so you have several doctrines by which um, we would look to. So when somebody becomes a Christian, right, uh, they don't necessarily know, you know, hypostatic union, trinitarian. Um, relations, they don't know about uh, different distinctions uh, when it comes to theology proper. You know, they don't know all this technical stuff, but they that doesn't uh, make them less of a Christian. However, when they grow as a Christian, a true Christian will respond to the revelation of God in a positive way. Now, that positive way might have uh, uh, some, some negative consequences for us, meaning we will have our worldview destroyed, and that's a good thing. Um sometimes we have to be completely knocked down and built back up by the word of God, but it's that's what the word of God is. It's it's a double-edged sword. And so it's it's going to um it's going to cut to the heart of our world view, the the thing in the system that we held on to before and it's going to strip away everything and it's going to replace it with a biblical world view. So from that aspect we could affirm, yes, there is a mere Christianity, there is a basic foundational things that define the Christian faith. However, Dr. Craig talks about it in a way where all he is really going to say is I'm I don't fall under Catholic conviction and going to write it off as like you said, Nick. It is a secondary or tertiary issue that doesn't separate one from being a Christian. However, I don't even think someone like C.S. Lewis would say that the gospel doesn't fall under one of those issues. And obviously, the scripture is very clear that the gospel is one of those primary issues. It, you know, you've described, you know, there's the Trinity, there's the deity of the Christ, there's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ— you have some of these essential doctrines that we need to get right and are extremely important. But the Bible is also very clear that we must get the gospel right. That even if we, um, even if we come to acknowledge Christ for who he is, that he is Lord in the same way that the Galatians would probably argue, and yet add one work to the gospel, add one work to the work of Christ, they would be anathematized. And so that's what the important thing is, is um it it's okay to say there is a basic or a mere Christianity, but like you've said, that term doesn't even mean that anymore. Mere Christianity can just fall under the fact that we all say we love Jesus and we all can have a good time at a concert, you know, and that falls under being Christian. So I think that's important in thinking about this is uh, does the gospel fall under as a primary issue? as to what what doesn't make somebody a Christian. We would obviously, being you, would say, of course it does. Scripture commands us to view it that way. So let's move on, and you'll hear the way Dr. Craig does it, and I think Nick's going to be able to point out, like he said, some glaring contradictions in what he's said now and what he's actually going to say about um, Rome and the gospel.
3: That's my burden, is what unites us rather than what divides us. You're already going to draw
1: criticism from those who say, well, you need to take a harder, tougher line on Catholicism because it distorts the gospel and so on. So you can't win in this. I think, however, we can win by uh, maybe just discussing some of the places where Protestants and Catholics disagree. Um,
0: Did
2: you have something for this, Nick?
0: Yeah. So... (laughs) it's so funny how he says right there you're gonna get you're going to uh get flack for this pretty much because uh the Catholic Church distorts the gospel <laughs> and it's like <laughs> hello yes I just that's heard- the point man you're saying <laughs> it right there you're gonna get you're you're gonna get feedback on this because you know because the way the 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 church uh 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 what did he, I don't remember what his wording was. Yeah. But, it, I mean, it's like, you have got to be kidding me, man. People are going to get mad at him for for doing this in a way where he he's dancing around what it is that Catholics believe and whether or not it's definitional when the host of the show says it loud and clear. It's funny. I, I finished this on the way
2: home today. I completely missed him saying that. <laughs> completely missed it. Oh, that's quite the treat. All right. Let's, let's keep going.
1: Protestants are just Catholics who think that the Catholic Church needs some reformation, <laughs> perhaps, you know. <laughs> well,
3: and, and Catholics now, since Vatican II, regard Protestants as separated brethren. They do not condemn Protestants. They think that Protestants are, are Christian brothers and sisters, but separated from the, the the
0: Church, the true
3: Church that Christ has
0: established. So, Okay. So this is important. There's a, there's a couple important ones in there that I, I really wanted to look at. And this one's important because this is a baloney claim. <laughs> and nobody Vatican likes two, baloney. And others have pointed this out. You can Anybody can look up the purpose of the Second Vatican Council. It was not to change doctrine. Pope John Twenty-Third literally opened the council by saying the church should never depart from the sacred treasure of the truth inherited from the fathers, but at the same time, she must ever look to the present, to the new conditions and the new forms of life introduced into the modern world. So the point of it was to change methods of worship to to work on ecumenical methodologies all of these things it was not to change doctrine they have not they have not repudiated the doctrine that they've already set forth in other areas and not only that but if you heard what Dr. Craig says at the very end so he says that that they uh, regard us as separated brethren uh and that we are separated from the true church. I don't know how you can you, you can connect those two things as uh being complementary. If you're <laughs> separated from the true church, if there's only one true church and you're separated from it, you're not brethren. Yeah. <laughs> you, you're not under the same banner. This is this is the funny thing about uh when you talk to Mormons is Mormonism literally began because Joseph Smith said all of these churches and all of their creeds are abominations, and that's exactly what it says uh, in the Book of Mormon too. That that the the there's only two churches. There's the Church of God, and there's the Church of the Devil. And so if you're if you're not under part devil. of the true church, by definition, you're not under the same banner of Christianity. By definition, you're not brethren in the sense of, of Christian brethren. Yeah.
2: Well, and we could affirm the same thing, maybe not in the same way, but if you don't belong to the true Church of Christ, then you're not a Christian. <laughs> right. There's there's no solo rogue Christians out there. They don't exist. But in the same way, Rome— is, And that's so what's funny about this is, so he brings up Vatican II, but you'll also hear um, some of the more— uh, postmodern, liberalized uh, denominations, uh, some of the streams, like some of the Lutheran streams, some of the uh, Presbyterian streams, and I don't know if there's any general Baptist streams. I bet there are some liberal Baptists out there. Uh, So let's throw them all in there. But uh, there have been, quote-unquote, meetings between and, and this is me putting the biggest air quotes of all time around this, Protestants who have met with Catholics and have come um, to end the quarrels in the Reformation and that those issues are now settled and that Rome has uh, now accepted terms like justification by grace, by faith, and that we that we can come back into the church. But what's funny is people have documented this, that n- none of those documents and none of those actual meetings or decisions have actually changed or affected anything and that the language is so so uh, generic and unclear that you could really read into those documents what you want. So what's interesting is if you were to actually go to what Catholic, um, what Catholics put out as far as material, uh, things you can pick up as far as what they teach, how they catechize, uh, what is official dogmatic doctrine of the Church, um, you're going to realize that, guess what? They've never repudiated the Council of Trent. They've never repudiated those canons. They've never repudiated that own heresy in their own catechisms, in their own uh, church uh, affiliated, in their own church sponsored catechisms. So they are still carrying the full weight of that doctrine from the Council of Trent into the modern time. And I'm just going to read a couple of them because I don't want to take too long. But here are a couple of the canons from the Council of Trent in regards to the Reformation and um, in regards to Protestants. Here's Canon 9, quote, If anyone saith that by faith alone the impious is justified, in such wise as to mean that nothing else is required to cooperate in order to the obtaining the grace of justification, and that it is not in any way necessary that he be prepared and disposed by the movement of his own will, let him be anathema. Canon 12, quote, if anyone shall say that justifying faith is nothing else than confidence in the divine mercy, pardoning sins for Christ's sake, amen to that, quote, or that it is that or that it is that confidence alone, which we are justified, here it is, let him be accursed. And here's one more. Canon 14, if anyone saith that man is truly absolved from his sins and justified because that he because that he assuredly believed himself absolved and justified, or that no one is truly justified but he who believes himself justified, and that by this faith alone, absolution and justification are effected. Let him be anathema. So, let's just ask the basic question. If the Roman Catholic Church has um, has, has not repudiated its own doctrine from the Council of Trent, if it has not repudiated that and has not uh, officially declared that to be unbiblical to for them to be in the wrong and they have not taken it out of their own modern documents, it's like you said. It's I don't know how you could possibly say with a straight face and on a podcast, mind you, that that Rome uh, falls within Christianity and that your only difference between the only difference between you and a Catholic is mere conviction on a certain side issues absolutely blows my mind so just wanted to read those moving along
3: we certainly are living in a new era i think in which catholic protestant relations are much friendlier than they have been in the past i see a lot more bible reading among my catholic friends who have often complained that they
1: weren't encouraged to read the bible perhaps growing up and i don't know what that is but i've seen
3: a lot of fruit there from our Catholic friends, getting into the Word and digging in themselves. Yes, and that can only be a very positive development, I think, as they become familiar with the Bible and submit themselves to what the Bible has to to teach. I think that we can all rejoice in in that. Well, what would keep you or prevent you from being a a Catholic?
0: So this is where we're going to get the key things here. And this is what's interesting about the way he phrases this question. He says, what would keep you from being a Catholic as though, uh, there's nothing necessarily about Catholic doctrine that actually takes you outside the faith, but rather what, what little things do you agree with, with Cath or disagree with, with Catholics that would just in your conscience, you just couldn't do it. Kind of like you know how I don't really think that babies should be baptized, but <laughs> what things like that, just they 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 just keep you a little bit from wanting to be a Catholic. And this is where we're gonna get into the discussion about justification, all these different things. But but I just wanted to pause it there for a second so that you can focus in. Now he's asking the question: What things are going to keep you from being Catholic? Strap yourselves in; it's going to be a bumpy ride. One of the difficulties that I have would be with
3: the doctrine of justification as it was enunciated at the Council of Trent, which is one of the most important Catholic councils for enunciating Catholic doctrine.
2: (laughs) Interesting.
0: (laughs) Oh my gosh. The first time I heard this, man, I laughed out loud when the guy goes, what things would keep you from being Catholic? And in this Smooth, kind of really relaxed voice. Dr. Craig goes, Well, you know, it, it something that I have a problem with is the doctrine of justifica- justification. That's like hello. That's like the key to Christian faith. <laughs> I mean, that's you're gonna say well, like agree with them on justification. <laughs> but other than that, we're together. <laughs> what? And by the way. He says, "You know, I have a problem with the way they define justification at the Council of Trent, which they still believe." You just read uh, a
2: couple of <laughs> and the that was o- that was only from- three of them, huh? <laughs> and that was only three of those canons,
0: right? Which, like, they have not repudiated that. It's not like, oh, they believed this a long time ago, and then they've since came out and said, ooh, that was a problem, even though they were infallible, but no big deal. (laughs) We're going to fix that. That was wrong. This is where we stand now. They still believe that. That's exactly how he says, well, how they enunciated justification at the Council of Trent. Dr. Craig, that is still how they, quote-unquote, enunciate justification. That's exactly how they would explain justification, yeah, it's like,
2: oh man did you did you really just say those words like did did you just say that that's what I was thinking, like, oh man, this is going to be this is going to be a real bumpy ride, um yeah, Might have, just just get ready, get ready for it
3: in the Council of Trent, it has a description of how justification takes place, and it makes it very clear that our response. To God's grace is just that, that God takes the initiative, God's grace leads out. We then respond to God's grace, and he infuses into us his justifying grace. And what this grace does is give us the power to perform good works, which in turn merit eternal life. Now, it's that last bit that really gives me pause. All the rest of it, I think, is great. But I don't think of the good works we do as being meritorious of eternal life. And
2: yet, so, <laughs> and yet you think that Catholics fall
0: under Christianity. Oh, my goodness. that That's what I'm saying. That's the part that makes me so confused when I hear him make this statement. And this is where we're going to start to see the discontinuity Of what he's saying, saying one thing earlier and now saying a different thing now of, okay, so we have him explain that doing good works does not in any way merit you salvation. Praise God. I was so happy to hear him say that. But what he doesn't understand is by making that claim, he is literally anathematized by the Catholic Church. That's what doesn't make sense to me, is you may—so let me explain it this way. Uh, As a Christian, we believe that you're justified by grace alone through faith alone, by the work of Christ alone. So if you don't believe those things, you're by definition outside of the faith. You've been anathematized. The same thing works for, for the Catholic faith. If you say that you're justified by faith alone and there's not in any part works that merit your salvation, they, you, they have anathematized you. You are outside by definition of the Roman Catholic Church. So when he says, I don't believe that works merit your salvation, okay, the Catholic Church does believe that by their doctrine. So they've anathematized you. You are, you are outside of, the, of their faith. And yet, you want to, in some way, come together with them under the same banner. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it's.
2: I, I mean, it, if you just think about it, so he, he gives the the, the positive Catholic answer. So the Roman uh, Roman Catholicism gave its positive affirmation of what justification is at Trent, which he just read. Right. He gives a very accurate um, presentation of the positive argument. And then we gave the negative part of that. So not only do they embrace a mixture of grace and works, salvation, but in turn, they say that the uh, gospel by grace alone through faith alone being justified in God's sight by faith in Christ alone is anathema and that it's damnable. And so it's, it's like you said, it's like, well, Craig, you you don't want to uh, divide. You don't want to put up uh, the, the dividing line between you and Catholics and yet they would have to do it by necessity of yeah. their of their own conviction so
3: that seems to me to teach salvation by works if you say that god gives me the power to do meritorious works that then earn salvation that seems to me to undercut the doctrine of salvation by grace alone now what our
0: catholic friends will so this is the thing that made me want to do this video. This is the key point, which is exactly what Dr. Craig skipped over. He says, if you talk about uh, God enabling you to do meritorious works, it undermines the gospel of grace alone. But what he misses is that that's not the gospel. The gospel is grace alone by faith alone. And he's going to talk about, in a second, that, well, Catholics still believe it's by grace that that God's grace enables us to do these works. But you're, you're missing the key point. It's not just by grace. It's by grace and faith alone. There's a difference between, well, grace enables me to do works. Everybody believes in grace. The Mormons believe in grace. But it's not just grace alone. It's that that grace alone saves you, by virtue of your faith alone. That it's that there's no works necessary because it's it's your faith alone, and obviously that is by grace. But he he doesn't add that the that the the hinge that it turns on is faith alone. All he talks about is grace, which is true. But Catholics believe in grace. Catholics believe in grace alone, even. That, that the grace of God allows you to do these meritorious works. But what they don't believe in, which is exactly what it says in those canons, is faith alone. That's the key. That's the important one.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, if anyone denies the mixture between faith and his meritorious works, then he's anathema. And that's very clear in the Council of Trent.
3: Quickly say is, ah, but these works are only done by God's grace. It is God's grace that gives you the power and the drive to do these meritorious works. And so in one sense it wants to say, no, no, these works are only grace. It is ultimately grace and not works. But nevertheless, the bottom line, it seems to me, still remains that whether through the grace of God or not, I perform works which then merit eternal life. Exactly. Exactly. And this is exactly why <laughs> made we the don't
0: believe in grace alone, but we believe in grace alone through faith alone. That is a key point. That is so vitally important. If you're going to just say grace alone, as I said before, everyone believes in grace. He literally just talked about how and I've done it too. I've talked to Catholics. He just he he just said it. Well, no, no, no. No no no, God's grace enables us to do these meritorious works. Yeah. But that's not that's not the point of the Bible. The point is faith alone. He 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 leaves that out and I don't know why that key that is that is one of the key points of the reformation. Sola scriptura was one of them, uh grace alone, all of those things, but faith alone is a key point of the reformation and he leaves that out that is that is literally definitional of the gospel yeah
2: and it's uh it's funny because it's if you if we were to just take that uh what 50 seconds of him talking and he just describes it and says why he can't come under that conviction we could almost play that as a clip for us and say here's why we don't you know it's yeah. like he answers in the affirmative But he is then going to backtrack and contradict himself and then say, yes, Catholics fall within orthodoxy, which is, I mean, if you can't see that contradiction, email me. I can send you some magic water. We can work on it.
3: (laughs) Don't think as biblical Christians that we want to say that. And so that is one of the aspects of Catholic doctrine that gives me real pause. Bill, I cannot count the number of times when I've gotten in
1: discussions with Catholic friends who have said to me, Kevin, just what, by the way, what is it that uh, uh, distinguishes uh, you and me? What do you guys believe? They want to know what the differences are. Where do you think in opportunities like that, where should we go? Uh, First to uh, justification, is that? uh, Yes,
0: I think that's the. Okay, so. I wanted to pause it here and just point this out that the bottom line here is that the guy is asking him, okay, where do we go to discuss the differences? But Dr. Craig, if he's gonna be consistent, has to go to the scripture to define the differences. If he's gonna dispute whose theology is erroneous, he has to go to the scripture to point out where somebody's wrong and somebody's right. But the problem with this is when it comes to Catholic doctrine is that the scripture is not the ultimate authority. The ultimate authority is actually on the one who they say, quote unquote, has the authority to interpret the scriptures. Mm -hmm. So again, this is another key point of the reformation is sola scriptura. So when we talk about this and we say, okay, how do we define the differences and are those differences definitional to Christianity? Well, we got to go to the Bible. That's how we got to define it. We got to go to the scriptures. That's the only infallible source. But the the Catholic Church doesn't accept this. And this leads into more problems such as papal infallibility and so on, all these different things. But again, these are all things that that Dr. Craig is going to put out somewhere else in the atmosphere of, ah, it's not really that important. You can believe the Pope's infallible, but ah, it, that's not really that important. When the key issue is how do we define these things, and how do we actually come to the conclusion, as he even says he is as a Protestant, that we're saved by grace alone through faith alone? That's by the Scriptures. So if your authority isn't the Scripture, which is where he's going to have to go, there, there's no way to 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 work this. There's no way to get around it. Yeah, and
2: as whom and as human experience has shown, uh, nobody would ever get to grace alone. By faith alone through Christ's work alone, because we all love to stick works in there for ourselves. So, yeah, just it's just interesting to think about that um, of why Rome does that.
3: I'm lying, really, Kevin. I mean, other things such as church government or the sacraments or other sorts of doctrines are important, but really at the heart of it is going to be justification because.
0: Okay, Now this is one of those big like glaring contradictions. I don't even know how he doesn't realize this. He just spends the first six minutes trying to explain that the Catholic Catholic view of justification does not separate them from faith and then he literally just says the heart of the faith is justification. If the heart of the faith and the heart of the issues are justification by what standard can you then say that the catholic view of justification which is antithetical to the biblical christian view how do they possibly end up even in the same room yeah or even
2: on the uh on on the same uh continent i mean <laughs> we're more than even just a uh just a just a brief space apart we're completely separated at the point we have the world's longest and largest gap in between us when you think it it's just man it's I <laughs> I supposed to like really listen to this really quick because hearing him say that is just absolutely like for someone of, uh, of who just has such a great mind and who can think on so many different uh, issues to just literally uh, just contradicts himself throughout this entire thing, especially saying that is just, I, I mean, what else could you possibly say?
0: Yeah, I'd, like I said, to say that the heart of the faith is justification, it literally destroys his whole point, the whole the whole interview up till this point. And not only that, he, he talks about other things that, uh, though— like, so he talks about like different views on the sacraments. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand that there are different views on uh, if you prefer ordinances, whatever, uh, within Christianity. But when it comes to the doctrine that the Roman Catholic Church, especially when it comes to the Lord's table, let's say they were on the same page as justification by faith alone. How does their understanding of the priest prays over the bread and the wine, and literally the bread and the wine turn into the literal body of Jesus and blood of Jesus, and it's given as a perpetual sacrifice on the altar to people. How can you accept that as doctrine from the Catholic Church as a continual sacrifice of Christ it, I, I mean, there's a lot of things, in my opinion, uh, where the Catholic Church goes so far away from biblical Christianity, it's not just that they're off on justification by faith alone. This issue, too, is just as key, and he's pushing that one out the back door, too, just as quickly.
2: Yeah. Well, and then it begs to ask is, how does your view of even something like... um the Lord's Supper, and in their sense, I mean, that connects to the gospel. I mean, what hope is there in a gospel when you constantly have to partake of the sacrament of the Eucharist in order to receive grace, uh, because you've fallen from grace? So you have no hope in that system. You have no sure hope. And so, like you said— all these side things that, yes, we could talk about, we could talk about some of the, the foundational issues between us that make us uh, Protestants and make um, others Catholic, but even the side issues are connected. It's not like they just stand out there by themselves. They are vitally connected to those foundational issues because if you drive them home, they all get back to justification. They all get back to the gospel. They all get back to the nature of the atonement. They all get back, honestly, to the character of God. And so you can't separate those things. So to push them aside is honestly to push away the foundations to the side too, which obviously William Lane Craig has done because he can in one breath say, "Yep, it's the heart of the, it's the heart of the Christian faith, is the heart of the Reformation, it's the heart of what separates separates us doctrinally," and then in the same breath say, "I just don't fall under Catholic conviction, but we're brothers." It's a, it's absurd. It's an absolutely it's an absolute absurdity to say both of those things. And I mean, think if you were to explain this to a kid, Uh, you you don't need anyone with a PhD to understand this. Ask a four-year-old. And if you were to compare justification um, by faith alone, uh, uh, through, through uh, by faith alone, through grace alone, uh, through Christ's work alone, then you would, uh, and you compared that to that being a good, healthy heart. And then the Roman Catholic uh, doctrine of justification in the gospel as a, uh, as a heart that is uh, not working, that is not pumping blood and is just sitting there idle and rotting away. Um, if you asked a kid to look at both of those things, you would not say, oh, they're both the same heart. They're just working differently, but they're accomplishing the same purpose. They're both pumping blood. Uh, that the kid would realize, um, yeah, that one, that one's dead. That, that one's dead. And they could point that out to you. So there's, there's no question as to if you were looking at, if the, If justification is at the heart of the Reformation, if it's at the heart of Christianity itself, then to look at Rome and to see it as a healthy heart is absolutely, it's absolute absurdity. You're wanting to see what you want to see at that point, um, and despite what you could possibly say to the contrary.
3: Justification by grace alone, through faith, I think is the central Protestant insight, and I think it's a biblical
0: insight, again, not justification or, or not grace alone through faith, but grace alone through faith alone. again, those qualifiers <laughs> like, are important. <laughs> it, it's yeah it's like like I don't know if he this is what this is what scares me a little bit about listening to this and this is why uh it, it actually can be very dangerous being willing to 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 in some way uh, capitulate on on uh, Rome's doctrine when it comes to justification, because uh, I don't know if he actually already did it or if he does it a little bit later, but he talks about how well, you know, actually I think he does it a little bit later. He says, well, you know, actually, the doctrine spelled out in 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 Trent and other areas is actually, uh, different than what Catholics really believe and what Catholics really believe is super close to what I believe and that, you know, that that they're saved by faith and that uh, they do these works by the grace of God and then they end up heaven and everything is good, which is, first of all, not what the doctrine teaches. And second of all, if you're going to start going down this road, how do you stop yourself short from saying that even the grace that God allows you to do works in some way, uh, gives you uh, merit before God or mm-hmm. earns you anything before God, because if if you're not talking about grace alone through faith alone, like you said, those alones are vitally important. Those <laughs> without those alones, we're Catholics. Without <laughs> yeah. those alones, there's no Reformation. Yeah, so there's no to, distinction so, without those. Right to leave those out is to leave a lot of room, a lot of wiggle room, that can't be there. Yeah, I agree.
2: And I think how you've just said it, I think, kind of sums up the problem with the mere Christianity movement and what well, not necessarily what it is, but what it's become in our modern day is be as general as possible, and yet it doesn't actually bring true unity. Like you said, it leaves so much space for— that, you know, dozens and dozens of different opinions and ideas that you can have three different people standing next to each other and none of them believe the same thing on foundational issues. I mean, it's, and it's funny because when you, usually when you bring up this to somebody who has never thought about this and they think you're just being critical, I would say, okay, let's, let's apply your standard of not wanting to be, um, Discerning in this situation to other situations. So, for instance, you're a parent, right? And most people can relate to that, or even kids can relate to the fact that they had parents. So, right? So, you're a parent, and when your kid does something wrong, one, yet yeah, you want to discipline them too, but you want to do it in love, and you want them to understand that the reason you're doing this is because you love them and you care about them, and that they need to understand and admit and confess why they're wrong, and ask for forgiveness. And we would all, hopefully as Christians, say, yeah, that's a good biblical thing to do as a parent. All right, so you could probably get somebody you're talking to to agree to that, and then say, okay, so say that's how you practice parenting, and then over to the side is Joe and Jane, and they have their child, and you guys start talking one day about your parenting, how you you know your styles, and how you discipline, and you both say the same exact thing. You know what? We want to show our kids discipline, but we, you know, we also want to, you know, we also want to show that we love them and we care about them. And you're like, okay, I think we're on the same page on this. This is great. You know how hard it is to find people who are on the same page as us when it comes to parenting? Um, and so you're like, this is awesome. And then you see uh, Joe and Jane's kid, you know, you know, break the lamp or something or they mess up and they do something wrong and um, Joe goes out there and smacks his kid in the face. And Jane <laughs> says, look what you did, you little jerk. And starts, um, that was for you, Josh Alexander. Um, and goes over there and just starts verbally and physically abusing their child. Would you then in your right mind say, we're on the same page. We're on the same team. We mean the exact same things when we say we want to, quote unquote, love and discipline our children. <laughs> And I don't even think I got to say the right answer to that. Of course you wouldn't. So why then do we allow that to drop off the face of the planet when we talk about theology? Why do we as Christians allow other people to get away with that theologically? Why do we allow them to not only abuse Scripture, but completely and utterly abandon certain parts of Scripture in order to justify things like this? We allow it to happen. We would never do it in any other area of our life if we were to be consistent, and yet when it comes to theology, we capitulate. And honestly, that's what William Lane Craig is doing here. He's capitulating um, in this situation. So just think about it. I I, I think you would be hard-pressed to um, make any kind of other argument in any other way. And therefore,
3: that's something I think that we need to insist upon. Now, what I find in talking to Catholic friends is that their understanding of the doctrine of justification at Trent is really the same as mine. They don't think that they earn salvation. They don't think that they perform meritorious works that earn salvation. The way they interpret it is that God, by his grace, gives me the power to live a good life, and therefore I go to heaven, and it's all due to God's grace. It's wholly it's by
0: grace alone so the 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 line i w- can you hit a buzzer for me <laughs> oh man i just uh, wrong that is not <laughs> <You> said- <laughs> what the doctrine teaches and this is what's important and this is this is probably where we can end it is if for whatever reason somebody who's in the catholic church actually believes that that their their works by grace, do not merit them any favor before God, and even though he doesn't add it in there, if they believe that they are saved by their faith alone, sola fide, then by definition, they're not Catholic. By definition, they've been anathematized by the church. They do not believe Roman Catholic doctrine, and by definition, they are not Catholic. The question you should be asking them is, why are you there? (laughs) They don't believe the same things you do. That's like a Mormon who comes to realize that he's not going to become a god one day and yet still hangs out in the, at the Mormon temple or goes to church on Sunday with the Mormons. What are you doing, man? You don't even believe what they believe. Yeah. And so this is something that uh, I think he's trying to do this, but he's actually not doing this. He, he's actually capitulating on the real doctrine of Rome. But what we can say is that there, there certainly are people who, by tradition or um, passed down family tradition or whatever, or maybe just a lifelong, uh, you know, uh, entrenchment, is that they do attend a Catholic church, but they have no idea what the doctrine teaches. They actually. Uh, don't agree with the church and they don't even know that they don't agree with the church. And uh, certainly I would be willing to say that there are people that are within or, or under the banner of Roman Catholicism. they're 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 they are Roman Catholics, but they don't actually believe anything that Roman Catholics believe. and if they knew that, if they knew what Roman Catholics believe, the Spirit of God would lead them out. Mm-hmm. that's that's not something they're gonna sit in. So my point is, and like I said, I I think he's not actually doing this. He's actually trying to be okay with the real doctrine. But what, like I said, what we can say is there there certainly are probably people in the Catholic Church that are true believers, but they're true believers despite Roman Catholic doctrine. They're yeah. not true believers because of what they're taught in the church. Yep. So, like I said, that's that's not what the Roman Catholic uh, the doctrine teaches. The doctrine is not that. God, by his grace, does works through you and you'll end up in heaven one day and it's all good. That's that is not Catholic
2: doctrine. Yep. Yep. And uh, just just because I couldn't get to it quick enough. Yeah. Yep. OK. So I just had to throw one in there. I mean, why not? It's 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 R&R podcast. So,
0: yep. Uh You want to finish this out, Nick, or you think we've hit it? I mean, you could, it's only a couple of seconds just so we aren't. Being the uh, told, you guys edited everything.
2: Yeah, Well. okay, well, let's play this out, and then we can get to some closing comments on this. Of Distinction becomes very blurred or very fine,
3: and I think that in many cases, practicing Catholics may not be much different than Protestants. Do you see what I mean? That, that there may be these council uh, conciliar statements on paper, but the way certain born-again Catholics really live and what they really believe may be much closer to what Protestants think than what these conciliar statements literally say,
2: yeah, and i think I think that last part um is a good place to end off because it's kind of what we just talked about, and if 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 Dr. Craig is going to admit that. Um, and then we could obviously say, yeah, of course, there can be people like you just said, Nick, who are in Roman Roman Catholicism who have actually heard the biblical gospel and have not embraced all the teaching of Roman Catholicism as it is as a uh, as a as a as a corporate body or as a corporate whole has not embraced it. Then yeah, they could be living in contradiction to, I guess, what you could say their their affiliation or their what they claim to be. But like you said, it's not going to last because someone who is born again and hears uh, the words of Christ and hears God's word in, in the scriptures is going to reject those things over time. They're going to leave because they are going to realize they are not in the true church of God. And so it's it's just not enough to say, okay well that that could be the sit you know the situation. Of course, nobody would disagree with that, but why not come out if it's such a big deal if it's the heart of Christianity about justification and say Catholic teaching in the Catholic Church at large is heretical, uh, promotes um, heresy and false teaching, and should be anathematized because they preach a different gospel um. You know, that's that's not being tough on anyone, that's just being truthful. Uh there's no joy in that, but why not come out and just say that? Why not spare people the the problem of hearing this of somebody who they trust, like William Lane Craig, and saying, Well, he said we should be cautious, but they're still brothers, you know, they're still Christians at the end of the day. I I think you completely ruined everything you just talked about before and everything you would possibly try to work for of getting people to recognize that Catholic doctrine on those critical issues is heresy,
0: and it's damnable heresy. Yeah, I I think you said it there. and I mean, the idea is, and and I, I think we can honestly say this. I think we can honestly, rightly say and make this claim is that the majority of the people who are in the Catholic Church actually believe what the Catholic Church believes. Mm-hmm. I mean, these people we're talking about that uh, are are believing things that are different than the Catholic Church, actually believe in justification by faith alone, uh, that they, they don't pray to saints, they don't uh, view Mary in this exalted way, all these different things, those are very small minorities. Yeah. Most people who are in the Catholic Church, actually do buy into Catholic doctrine. And this is the problem, is when you come out and say something like this, and you capitulate on doctrine like this, especially with the Roman Catholic Church, people will say, oh, Roman or Catholics are saved. Period. Not some Catholics are saved who uh, reject Catholic doctrine. Not some Catholics are saved who don't actually understand Catholic doctrine people are going to interpret it as Catholics are saved, period, de facto. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter. They're still brothers. They're still saved. Doesn't matter what they believe. Doesn't matter nothing. They're still saved. And that's the problem. Rather, like you said, I think it would be better for him to, sure, make a quick statement of, I think there are people out there who who by name would call themselves Catholics, but they're really not based on the doctrine of the church, And they might really be saved by their faith in Christ, but by the church, they're anathematized. And what we have to understand is that the doctrine of the Roman Catholic Church is heresy. Mm -hmm. If you say it like that, you're not not being put forward as this guy who makes a, a peanut butter statement of all Catholics are going to hell because nobody could... I don't think anybody in good conscience could make that statement. Mm-hmm. I think, like I said, we both agree. Everybody would have to agree. There's a chance that there's at least one man or woman in the Catholic Church that's saved by grace through faith. So uh, That's anyway. a
2: Baptist in you coming out right there. But yeah,
0: I think we could say at least one.
2: <laughs> but um, yeah, I, and I just, I think to to kind of wrap this up is think about um, just these issues in general. Think about what was said by Dr. Craig. Think about what he quoted from the Catholic Church. And then think about what he affirms about justification in light of that. But then hear how he responds to Catholics and why he would distinguish himself. Um, and why he would only distinguish himself at the level of uh, the way he uh, makes it seem is just just this mere side conviction, like, well, I just don't come down on those convictions in the same way that me and Nick don't come down on infant baptism or we don't come down on um, a, a uh, uh, age uh, segregated, you know, church ministry. Like they're just these little side issues. It's like, no, you, if you view it like that, then you've already capitulated to the fact that you're willing to accept that even in light of what you might say, or believe. And to me, there is a clear um, example of living in contradiction to what you say you believe, but then actually what you practice. And so for for us, I think it would be good, and maybe, Nick, maybe you have a couple of points for just listeners who have not ha- actually had to deal with Roman Catholicism, or who have not even had to think about it on this level, because we both know that when we were both presented with this as young Christians, uh, we wouldn't have had you know, the necessary um, uh, tools, or we would not have thought about through this issue well enough. But I think in just hearing that and what we've discussed, if we've at least laid out the bottom line issues and said, there is no way you could possibly say this. And then on the other hand, believe this and call yourself a Christian. And so in that sense, we would, you know, what would you you know, want to tell a Christian who's struggling with these things? or talking with somebody about these things, how, is, how does William Lane Craig serve as an example of what we should not do, and then uh, how should we then go forward? What are some things we can do instead that are both positive and loving, but don't capitulate doctrine for the sake of some kind of unity in mere Christianity?
0: Yeah, well, that's the that's the double-edged sword is most of the time people fall off on one of two sides. You fall off on the side of uh, what the host talks about in the beginning of Catholic bashing, or you fall off on the other side of William Lane Craig, and eh, it's just everything's the same. Everybody believes the same thing, essentially. And there's problems in both. Obviously, uh, we need to speak the truth, but we need to speak the truth in love. And so you can talk to... Uh, Catholic friends or family members or whatever, and you can, like I said, I think people for the majority actually believe most of what the Catholic Church te- teaches, but there definitely is a lot of people who just, they don't actually know that that the Catholic Church believes certain things. And if you show them, look, it, this is the doctrine of the Church that you say you're a part of, This is the doctrine of the church that says it's the only true church. If you don't believe these things, by definition, you're not a part of them. The Marian dogmas, the Assumption of Mary, the Immaculate Conception, these things are dogmas of the Catholic Church. If you don't believe them, they will, by definition, say you are not saved. You are outside of the faith. So these are things that I don't think a lot of people understand. We need to show them, explain to them, look— First of all, these are not in the not in the scriptures. Can't find it anywhere in the text. Second of all, it's so far away from Christianity that there has to be a line. There has to be a border put there of saying this is what Christianity is, this is what Christianity is not. Granted, there are some differences over here on this side of Christianity, but when you step over here to to Roman Catholicism, it's not the same gospel. Uh and and it's a very, very, I think when you really get down to the root of it, it's a very different view of Christ. Mm-hmm. It is a fundamentally different view of substitutionary atonement, fundamentally different views of imputation, all of those things. So uh, I, I think, first of all, obviously we need to know our Bible first, yep. then begin looking into uh, the differences between the Catholic Church and and. Protestantism, and look at look at some of the writings of the Reformation, and you'll mm-hmm. see that these people thought they were definitional. Yep. Luther thought his things were definitional. Calvin thought his points were definitional. That's why they left. That's why that's why we're still protesting. You can get uh, Doctor White's book, The Roman Catholic Controversy. But honestly, I think the the main thing, the best thing to do, is to read the writings of the people that were there, mm-hmm. the people that descended from the Catholic Church, and and. Decide for yourself if those things are definitional. If they were definitional for them, are they definitional for you? Are they just in, just as important for you? So,
2: yeah, and I, honestly, I think you hit on two. Of my most important application is how do we not end up like William Lane Craig? Uh, we should know our Bibles extremely well, because like like you've said several times, if, if we just knew our Bibles, you don't. We're not even talking about reading, you know. I need you to read Burkhoth, and then I need you to read Frame, and then I need you to read um, you know, Charles Hodge. It's like if you read your Bible and become familiar with the New Testament and you've become familiar with these um key foundational theological doctrines, then it 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 wouldn't take any crazy kind of discernment to then look at what Roman Catholics themselves have said and say, Oh wow, we are not on the same page, we're not even close. We're on two totally different planets. And so I think that's where you got to start. You need to know your Bible. You need to study your Bible. You need to be um, saturated in the word of God. And then you need to not only just know it, but you need to understand how that shapes and affects your own worldview and how it should shape and affect how you discern other ideas and um, other people. And so I think that's honestly, the best place to start, like you've said. And then just comparing those things together, do the work, you know, be a Berean and do do the work um, that Christians are called to. And I I think the only other thing I could possibly add is don't fall into the trap of somebody who is, like if like if you're just getting into theology, maybe you're young as a Christian, you're an older Christian who just hasn't seriously studied, don't fall into the trap of, I read this from a guy. He's got a PhD. He must know what he's talking about, or he must be right. Because uh, like we played, Craig made some correct statements. He cited Roman. He saw. He cited the Council of Trent correctly, and we would agree with him on all those things. There's a large chunk of that we would we could play on our own show and say, yeah, Craig gets it right here, which we don't typically say. <laughs> So so the fact that that's he... That's not a common yeah, statement. That's not a common thing. We don't Oh, we just love this William Lane Craig clip. Um, <laughs>
0: I don't think that's ever happened.
2: It will <laughs> never happen. We cannot taint the presuppositional nature of our podcast. I can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, but if William Lane Craig can say that, and then in the other hand say the most absurd things in complete contradiction to what he's just affirmed, it does not matter what kind of degree you have. It does not matter how old you are. It does not matter what position of authority or power or a status you have. You always need to be in the word of God. The word of God is the final authority. It's the final authority over us and what we say. And you should take what we say at the same level as what a Roman Catholic says. I do not possess more insight or power or authority simply because I'm Protestant. If what I'm saying is true, it should be confirmed by the word of God. And so... Obviously that relates back to what Nick said is that I think he nailed the first two things, but don't be sucked into the thought, especially when you're, when you're young and I'm still influenced by this of guys who I love, who are, you know, really smart and are pushing out these ideas of falling into the trap that just because these guys come out with this doesn't mean it can't be challenged. doesn't mean it can't be wrong. So we should avoid that. You got any other closing comments? Sweet. I think we wrap this one up. Super nice today. Guys, if you have any questions or concerns or criticisms about this episode in general or just anything we've talked about in past episodes, go listen um, or go back and listen through this one a couple times. Talk with it about your friends. And then send us an email and send it to www.refiningandreforming@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can send us all those uh, questions, concerns, and criticisms. And then hop on over to the website at refiningandreforming.com. You can find the Facebook and the Twitter links as well as the Grand Ole iTunes link. Click on that, subscribe, download the podcast, listen to past episodes, and then write and leave us a five-star review because we're awesome. All right, guys, until next time, um, thank Nick for actually throwing this together and doing the work today. It was a pleasure, sir. I mean, it wasn't (laughs) a ton of work, but you at least threw it together. I didn't throw anything together. Okay, don't listen to him. He's being humble. Click play. Um, click
0: pause, click play. But hey, click pause. Hey,
2: I, hey, man, I forgot today's your <laughs> wife's birthday, so we could give yep. a special shout out to our small group of listeners that it's Kelsey Hendricks' birthday. Yeah, so, and I got to go yeah. to dinner. So nice, man, you go kill that because I need to get you off there, so I won't keep it any longer. <laughs> Nick, can, Nick can roll out, but. Uh, until next time, guys, we just want to say thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us. Share us with your friends. And until then, we just want to say grace and peace to all the brethren out there. And as always, guys, Gloria. dude, I dropped the ball so hard. I, am, I could have ruined it.